What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Before Babel. This is episode four. I want to thank all of our listeners for your support. I'm super excited about this episode. I'm super excited about all the uncomfortable conversations that have come out of this episode. <laughs> um, here with me, I want to reintroduce my co-host. Um, I have Pastor Nick McCall with us. He's our worship pastor. Hello. I have Pastor Jeremy with us. He's our infrastructure pastor. Yo. I have Kaylee Villarreal. She's our expansions ministry director. Hi. And I'm so excited for our first time ever, we have our first guest, and this is Reba McIntosh. She's our program director for Food for Hope. Hello. So um, we're super excited to have Reba. One of the things uh, me and Pastor Jeremy actually talked about is he kind of came in my office, and he's like, well, talking about sex, and we got three guys on the podcast, we should get another woman. <laughs> I was like, you know what, that's, that is a great point. Good idea. Um, so Reba, what experience do you have in sex? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Let's just start right now. Um, as you guys know, our, um, some of the, the, the values of this podcast is having people that, um, have, um, that, um, know what they're talking about. So we can, we can all say we're all married. So I think our experience with sex starts there and at least like our, how do we say this? When I say our, um, we're all experts. You we're can say we're all experts. Yeah. Sex experts. We're all sex experts. I'm trying to say we've all had sex. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to we've say. We've all had sex. Yeah. Okay. There are no virgins at the no table. No virgins at the table. So no one, yeah, no virgins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're qualified. We're qualified. Yeah, there you go. Um, last there episode, we're qualified. Our qualifications. That's. I was just trying to say a PG version of saying that we're qualified. This isn't PG. Yeah, this yeah. is a PG. I don't know what I was thinking. 17. If you're under 17, watch out. All right. Last episode, we PG talked 13. about how much faith should affect our lives. How did you guys feel about it? Really good. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like we agreed a lot. Um, I learned, you know, researching CBD, I was, I was, I mean, just to be clear, I haven't used it you yet. Used it yet? But Not I yet? really thought about it you after our last it. podcast. I know. We um, did the research. It seems yeah, like you should. Yeah. That's one thing you pushed me with these podcasts to research things I wouldn't normally think about. You decided, so. yeah. Yeah, but it was a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we kind of have a packed episode, so I'm totally cool with jumping right into it. Um, we're talking about sex. Um, we're going to dive deep into <laughs> all the uncomfortabilities of talking about around sex. And um, But the first question, how did you guys get the talk? I remember my parents um, wanting to give me the talk, and I didn't want to hear it at all. Uh, my mom would often tell me, well, you can just talk to your dad anytime you want about this subject, and it's probably best to talk to him. So I got the talk from my friends. Um, mm-hmm. That was really where I learned, and all my curiosity um, was I would just, I had friends that were older than me, and um, I would just ask them, and they would tell me all about it, and that was that was my experience. Mm-hmm. I wished I had gotten it more from a, more from a parent though, yeah. more from a, like a responsible adult because yeah, just what I learned about it from my friends was not a healthy view of sex. Mm. Oh, I can go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, similar, I did not get the talk from my parents. Um, I learned about sex and reproduction in school. Oh, and then, okay. you know, everything else was, you know, in, in an unhealthy way from mm-hmm. uh, friends, pornography, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I, I, as I wrote my response to this question, there was, there was one awkward conversation I had with my dad 
about something that I won't, we don't need to go into, but <laughs> it was very, like, it was awkward for both of us. Like mm. I asked him this question and he's, I could tell he was like, um, yeah, that's fine. And that was the end. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like, I think we both looked at each other, like, let us not speak of this again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I kind of have two, I guess. One of them I remembered just now when you said that. Um, the first one was with my mom. I couldn't tell you at all what she said, but I just remember being with her in the car and we just had gotten on the highway and she locked the doors, which I don't know if she thought I was going to jump out on the highway, Probably. but then she started talking and I did understand why she locked the doors. Um, you wanted to jump I out? I did want to jump out because <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I think I was way too young and I was like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to have sex, mom, I promise. And then, um, one time I was watching TV with one of my brothers and there was this scene of, like, two people kissing. And I was like, ew, they're having sex. And I was super young. And so I got in trouble for saying the word oh, wow. sex. And so, like, it was my brother Tyler. He's like, Dad, Kaylee said sex. And so he runs down and he, like, gets mad at me. And I, I started crying <laughs> immediately. So I'm, like, sitting on my dad's lap at, like, 10 years old bawling because I said the word sex. So, like, does that count? I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's talk. a talk. That's <laughs> Uh, I was nine and remember actually really vividly it was on a trip to Disneyland so it was both wow, an innocence wow. and a maturing yeah. <laughs> um, it's cold it was but you know what I really <clears throat> I value the way my mom hit it head on she mm. really did mm -hmm. um, not like like I, there was no question what it was by the time that talk was done. Oh, <laughs> there was, there was How old are you nine. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, in the framework of Disneyland. So. Yeah. Um, but I learned a lot of the detailed stuff later from oh, friends, okay. mm -hmm. and that was hard. Mm -hmm. uh, hard in hindsight, okay. I didn't realize it was hard at the time. But. Yeah. Um, my dad, I think, was a little bit of a maniac with this for some reason. <laughs> like as soon as I could ask, I think I was in elementary school. Um, yeah, like right after preschool or something like that. I was like six or something <laughs> and I don't know. Someone was talking about something and I just told my parents about it. And my dad went, so sex is and then <laughs> one of the funniest and I'll bring my sister into it. She, I don't even know how this, she, my mom was just dreading the conversation. Like just, she was just waiting to get over with my sister yeah. and she had to been like seven and my sister wanted a kitten and she asked my mom for a kitten. And it turned into a sex talk. I have no idea. How to it. She was just ready for it. She was like, kittens, that's a baby. All right, sex. And I just, yeah, just went for it. And my mom, my sister was just like screaming and crying. And like, oh, it was just like, she was like, whoo, yeah. that's done. Yeah. We just wanted a kitten. <laughs> um, so this is just a fascinating, it's a fun question. It's also a fascinating question. I think just in general, like all of our, it it starts all of us have a different launching pad mm -hmm. most mm -hmm. of us 90 i'd say 98 percent of us don't have a real healthy way of learning about sex mm -hmm. i think it's a weird conversation for parents i think when parents get to it sometimes it's like way too late mm -hmm. you're like yeah mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've I'm been married for two years so this is really interesting thing and i think it starts a great framework around this discussion about all the talk about sex and how like um, damaging and the different implications these things can happen. Mm -hmm. So one of the first 
um, you know, I'm married. One of the first things uh, me and Kay realized was there's a distinct difference between how men and women view sex. Mm-hmm. What's that difference? Um, so most men tend to focus on the physical aspects of the relationship. Men are very stimulated physically, sight, smell. Um, you smell? I know. <laughs> And I mean, I mean, research multiple sites listed smell. smell. Yeah, like the smell of a woman, smell of her hair. Oh, that perfume, makes sense. That kind of thing. <laughs> I shouldn't have said it. Yeah, I wasn't going there. Sorry, you can tell. <laughs> uh, women are more oriented to the relationship side of things. So a man want, or a man wants like physical oneness. Um, the woman desires emotional oneness. Um, so things like touch, attitude, actions, words, the whole person, those things are more um, appealing to women, um, whereas men are very, like, we're single-minded. Um, while, his, uh, while his wife might be easily distracted, wondering about the children, the doors, the noise outside, the men are just zoned in and focused. Um, and so like a dog with a bone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in terms of relationship um, between, you know, a a husband and a wife, the man might be drawn instantly. Um, you know, his wife wears something or he catches a glimpse of her or something and he's he's like ready instantly. Whereas the wife at times, and I think women can get there too, but typically it's he comes home, he says nice things, he does something nice around the house, he makes her feel appreciated, makes her feel loved. Those things are what the way kind of gets a woman into the mood if you want to yeah, go there. that's... Yeah, I was reminded of a, a marriage conference I had gone to with with my wife, and they were talking about uh, sex and marriage and kind of this this whole idea of you know getting in the mood and, and what does it take? And you know he the the guy goes over this long explanation. He's like, man, if you want to if you want to you know get your wife in the mood, if you want to have sex, and and it, it's a it's like you start in the morning. It starts with like I love you in the morning, and you're yeah. taking care of things, and you're telling her how pretty she is, and like it's a whole day ordeal. And not like that, that like ordeal, like you shouldn't do this, but like there's, it just, that motor gets going a little bit slower mm-hmm. than, than men. And then he said for the women, he's like, there's a button you push. And if you don't know where that button is, then you haven't been married very long. That's how you get the man <laughs> in the mood, right? Like it's, it, it is very different. And, but like, it's, yeah. it's kind of that love language idea, yeah. right? Like yeah. we mm-hmm. tend to love the way that we like to be loved. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where a lot of men mess up is they think yeah. like, well, I'm ready to go at the drop of a hat yeah. and, and women are not like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, f- I found something also interesting about this with what you were saying, Nick, because I feel like um, I've noticed in some various social media things and, and things that have popped up that with the rise of feminism, um, some of this has changed. You mm-hmm. have seen there, there are women who are embracing a more physical approach to sex and, mm-hmm. and, and, what I would say is acting more in a, what would be maybe a, a traditional male role of looking at it as purely a physical action mm-hmm. and there's no relationship related to it, no emotion into it. And they're like embracing that to, I think the idea is that they're trying to, to feel stronger or be more independent. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's functioning well for them, <laughs> but I've noticed not. that rise just mm-hmm. seeing that, that they're trying to take that into, into their own um, control and, Mm. and kind of act that way, which, yeah. Mm. That's really interesting because 
it's I think it's because of where we've been for so long because men and women view sex very differently, obviously. But for women, it's super emotionally complicated. Mm. And that's something Jay and I ran into when we first got married. Physically, we were like, oh, it's not as hard as we thought it would be. But emotionally, it was super difficult. And I can honestly see why that wave is going there. I'm sure it's not going well. I'm sure that's not actually (laughs) working. But I can see why women want to push for that. Because for men, this is something I used to be mad at. Like, I used to be mad at Jay when we got married. Because I was like, for men, sex is easy. Like, it's so much easier Mm. to do what men do in sex. It's so much easier for them emotionally, physically. Like, I struggled. And so I can see where that push comes from, but I'm sure it's not working well because that's still not how we work, no matter (laughs) if we want to or not. Um, I even struggled with, like, how much more complicated sex is physically for women. Mm. Because, like, men, sex doesn't change them at all. Mm. Like, it's just, like... You know, it's not that different for them. And women, it's so difficult. Like, physically, you fear pain. Mm. And, like, that's something that men never even think about. Like, mm. a couple of weeks before our wedding day, I had um, dinner with Jay's mom. And I was like, Jay, I'm so scared. Like, I don't think we can have sex. It's going to hurt so bad. I don't want to do it. And, like, that's not something that ever had to cross his mind before right. we got married. Mm-hmm. Because sex is just so much more complicated, even physically, for women. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads a lot into why it is more emotional for them yeah because it's so physically complicated they're like well i need something emotional too so that it is enjoyable and not just physical it's very invasive mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um i thought this was a great question um the difference between men and women the way they view it i kind of had to chuckle because <laughs> the way i the way i saw this was if we are in, if Jono and I are in the heat of an argument <clears throat> and he takes off his clothes and says, come on, let's just do this. <laughs> he has not only made me mad, but he has prolonged <laughs> the argument <laughs> on, the, on the flip side. If we're in the heat of an argument and I did that, argument's done. Over. He's good. Like, we're yep. good to go. No yeah. more talk. Yep, yeah. So it. it's just such a, yeah. it's so powerful to shift the man's perspective and for the woman it's like no there's a prep there's a prep Mm -hmm. tell Mm -hmm. me that has happened (laughs) (laughs) that was a head shake yes (laughs) sorry babe that's awesome that's amazing that's a good trick for women right there i'm done with this (laughs) i think one of the other um interesting things is and i did some some research but some of this is just anecdotal of 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 understanding in my marriage, but like, you know, men have testosterone kind of flowing all the time. It peaks in the morning and then it, it it gradually depletes over the day. Mm -hmm. So the, the idea, I think generally it's, it's thought of that men are thinking about sex more than women. And it's just a hormonal thing. Like it just, it's there. And like, there's things that arouse that smells or (laughs) sights or whatever it is like. And, and I, from what I experience uh, with my relationship with my wife is like, that's not the same for her. (laughs) (laughs) Sex is not a a primary thought in her life. And like, I think that's, you know, you see the pornography industry and you see the things that men, uh, are challenged with and go through. Mm -hmm. And it's because of that. It's so easy to have a lustful eye and have lustful thoughts and, Mm -hmm. and, and just go there because we just have this, this hormone 
cranking through us all the time. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And one of the things that when I was writing this and just thinking about it, I realized that not only is there a like a actual genetic difference between men and female with sex, um, there's also like a cultural difference. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, um, not even like just far statistically, men are introduced and struggle with pornography at such an early age and yep. it's such a struggle for men yep. as it plays into what Nick said that um, that visual mind yep. doesn't play into the smell but you know <laughs> <laughs> everything else it's for the target audience yeah. mm-hmm. um, what do you think the effects of porn are? so much mm-hmm. yeah. so much we could talk about this question for two hours Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try to keep it brief um, I found that I came across this experiment I thought this was really really fascinating um, apparently it's pretty common. Many people know about it, but if, if not, this is, I, I found it really be interesting. So there was this experiment put on by someone named Tin Bergen. He tested, um, with butterflies. I don't know if you guys have heard of this before. Mm-hmm. Um, so he created cardboard cutouts of butterflies. Um, and then he made them move in certain ways. Um, and then he then put these cardboard butterflies, um, in a in a container with male butterflies. And what he did to them was he made their coloring more intense um, and he made their movements a little bit more different. Um, and so when the male butterflies were introduced to the cardboard, they tried to mate with them, with the, with the fake ones. And then what was crazy was when the actual female butterflies were introduced to the same area, the male butterflies ignored the actual oh female butterflies because... They preferred the intensely colored, regularly moving cardboard butterflies um, over the living, breathing females. Mm. And it's crazy. Just like the butterflies, if um, something artificially overwhelms one of the stimuli in the brain on a consistent basis, the brain's expectations change. Mm. They literally Mm. change. And so it isn't just that our brains prefer the supernormal stimulus. It's that they can change themselves to expect it. And then the old normal stimulus, also known as real life, <laughs> suddenly seems less interesting by yeah. comparison. Wow. So yeah. it, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, makes I, you I, cry. I, I, yeah, I read this and, um, and I thought about there are so many marriages right now that are struggling. I heard a horrible story um, once that there was a couple. And, um, the, the male was addicted to pornography and it was so bad that he and his wife couldn't have sex unless he had Mm -hmm. pornography playing on the, on the TV in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. Otherwise they couldn't do it. He was, he was not aroused by her. He, he could not do the physical act of sex without medication or, um, or pictures. Mm -hmm. And so what that tells us is that our brains are so vulnerable Mm-hmm. to anything outside of real life. Um, I don't want to take too much. I'm sure you guys have great <laughs> stuff too. Um, it, it adds to, to the men can have a tendency when they watch, when they watch pornography, um, they can get aroused by violence because mm-hmm. what they view in pornography is, is um, it's not real how sex really is and the way the man treats the woman um, in, in pornography. It can make the man think that that's normal and then he's mm-hmm. then turned on and aroused by violence and sexual activity with hitting, slapping, those kinds of things. And then they come to find out in real life, women don't like that. 
yeah. the wife doesn't mm-hmm. actually want him to treat her mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then it creates all sorts of problems. Um, I could go on for a lot longer, so I'll <laughs> stop here. I don't want to take you guys. I'm sure you guys have great stuff to add. So, Yeah, I mean, that's super similar to everything that I was going to say. That study is so interesting mm-hmm. yeah. and makes mm-hmm. me want to sob my eyes out. Yeah, um, yeah really, it's... Porn is just the dehumanization of women. And so all of that being introduced to somebody at the age of 11 or, I don't know, what is it, like 9 to 11 eight. is the eight? Eight. Eight, eight? is the average. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and yeah. 73% of high schoolers are watching it right now. Yeah. Wow. And most of them in school. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine what that does to their understanding of women and how that affects not even just how they'll have sex with their wives, but how they treat them in general yep, because they're so dehumanized. And the porn industry in general, I think for men or maybe just people who don't know, there's this idea that like it's not that big of a deal because the women do it. Um, but so much of it is not willing. Like women mm-hmm. don't want to go into the porn industry. Mm-hmm. Um, studies have found that 60 to 90% of women in the porn industry were sexually abused as a child. Mm-hmm. So them being in the porn industry is just circular trauma. Yeah. Um, and so many of them go in at such a young age because of financial instability, coercion, manipulation, and trafficking. Mm-hmm. Those reasons make up almost entirely the reasons why women enter the porn industry. And so that alone, the fact that the women in these videos that men are consuming, it teaches them that unwilling participants is attractive, that this dehumanization, this objectification of women is attractive and normal. Mm -hmm. And that is the worst possible thing you could teach young minds. I think it's a good wake up call for any parents to have this question Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. well, maybe my kid's not watching porn or it hasn't been introduced to it. Well, studies show they're eight and a male. They've been at least introduced. And if they're in high school, like Nick said. So it's like a real, when I read that first, I was like, wow. You know, it kind of feels like all this talk about porn should happen in high school. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, uh, even if they're, it's not even like it's, we should have a talk, you know. But that's when, you know, you're like, okay, that's when it, but it's, no, you know, it has to be a talk, like, elementary school yeah unfortunately yeah when you talked about non-consensual something that happens all the time is a man will ask a woman for pictures or videos Mm -hmm. and then he will post them to Pornhub to Mm -hmm. famous porn sites and then the website doesn't have to take it down Mm -hmm. um she asks them to but they don't have to so they often leave it up so then Mm -hmm. thousands of people are looking at this video of her and Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, all of the stats and stuff that you guys said, it's crazy. Um, I think I I think of this as what are the effects of it in marriage? Like mm-hmm. specifically yeah. what impact does it have, you know, internally in that intimacy? Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, Kay, you used the term dehumanizing. I think mm-hmm. the term came to my mind was desensitizing too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lowering of, it's kind of like what I think Jeremy, you were just saying about, you know, just your, the stimulation piece changes mm-hmm. physically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in, in a man or a woman. And I don't want to just single it out that this is something that only affects mm -hmm. males. Mm -hmm. right. um, yeah, in fact, know. the rise, you know, women utilizing porn has been on the mm -hmm. rise. Mm -hmm. And I think now we're seeing the complications of, you know, <laughs> it was, you see primarily men learning this objectification and dehumanizing of women. Mm -hmm. And you had strong women who would stand up and say no. And now mm -hmm. you've got more women consuming porn and receiving that same message. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got two people who are on the same page almost of, yeah, yeah go ahead and dehumanize me. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am just an object, you know, yeah. which is yeah. just horrible, mm -hmm. horrible, horrible. Yeah. Um, I think a lot, I think most of us got the same research or, or in the same place. I would just recommend for listeners, fightthenewdrug.org. Yeah, it has awesome. amazing, amazing information uh, about the effects of porn. Um, I was just looking through, I they kind of break it out in their articles of like how it affects individuals, how it affects relationships and how it affects society. And I, mm. I found that very interesting. Society one, I found a quote, as few as one in three and as many as nine in 10 porn videos depict sexual violence or aggression so there's that whole thing right yeah. there so it's i mean yeah it is everywhere um in there and that whole desensitizing what's interesting um, from an individual perspective is that you know consuming porn really is an addiction mm -hmm. right like it, it really does change the brain there's yeah. dopamine and serotonin that hits and with every new video and every new thing and then you that desensitizing is just like any other addiction, mm -hmm. right? I need more. I need more. I need more. I need greater, uh, yeah. more extreme yeah. forms mm -hmm. of it. It goes, I mean, it gets really crazy. And that's where I think the, the aggression and, and the violence stuff really comes into play because at some point you're just like, this isn't doing it for me. Mm -hmm. and, and then it's, you know, not only are you destroying the in real life, yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's not doing it for you. Now what you were watching isn't doing it for you. And now, mm -hmm. you know, that isn't, and you're just continuing to go. Mm -hmm. And at some point that uh, I think the fear for me <laughs> is that like th that caps out and then there's real risk of like criminal behavior, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like, because at yeah. some point, like now, like nothing I'm watching that's acceptable by society is working. Mm -hmm. And I needed to go do crazy things like things in public or with people that are, you know, there you've got your people who end up, you know, throwing phones under changing room doors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like there's, there's a reason that comes. It's because yeah. like, I need something that's going to be more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does anyone have any of the studies of when girls are introduced to porn? Anyone have that? I know that's not. I have no idea. Jeremy's doing some quick research. Well, he does. I was thinking about this too. I've I've counseled people um, a lot through this particular mm -hmm. topic. And um, one of the things that it always starts with, it seems like, is it always starts with what they would justify as um, mostly innocent. So it mm -hmm. starts out with like, I've I've never counseled women. It wouldn't be appropriate for me too. But the, the men that I've counseled um, will tell me it started out with just looking at girls in bikinis or... Um, they would tell themselves, well, she's not naked, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It could be way worse. I'm not watching actual people having sex, so it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, and they rationalize it. And then exactly like Jeremy was just saying, uh, what happens is over time, that reward center in your brain, the dopamine hit, it gets bored. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they start looking for more. And then before long, you're so deep into it. So it's there's no such thing as any innocence mm -hmm. in any of this. 
Yeah. My quick research, I'm seeing right around 12. That's what I, th- I thought. 11 I and 12 for, for girls. Um, I, I'll share. I mean, I'll, I'll be a little transparent and vulnerable with everybody. I, you know, I have a, I, I've, the reason I bring this up is I've spoken with my kids a lot about mm. pornography and because of my experience with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was introduced to it at about seven. So mm-hmm. I hit, I hit the standards <laughs> of what that is. Which and is kind of crazy because it was before like, um, Internet. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it's more accessible now. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It definitely is. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and that's what really scares me is yeah. because yeah. like yeah. I mean, but yeah, it was a VHS tape and mm-hmm. magazines wow. and that kind of stuff. And and I mean it stuck with me um until you know, me recommitting my life to Christ and and, mm-hmm. and living a godly life. Mm-hmm. And so that was twenty some years yeah. of mm-hmm. of pornography. And I've talked to my kids about like, like there are serious ramifications Mm -hmm. in your life. This, what happens to your brain, like, Mm -hmm. and how you have become desensitized. I've had to learn to like reevaluate how I think about women. Yeah. You know, like I had to, I've had to struggle through that and, and like break those, those behaviors and those thoughts that were introduced in my, my twenties and in my teens. Mm -hmm. And like, that's been a, that's just been a long road. Mm-hmm. And it brings shame. It brings mm-hmm. guilt, mm-hmm. and and like I'm so thankful <laughs> that God is full of grace and that mm-hmm. He transforms our lives and works in us. Mm-hmm. But like, so that's where I like, especially my son. I'm just like, man, that that is it. Just stay away from it yeah. because it is just so destructive, and you don't even realize yeah. how long that destruction lasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. And the good news, right, is there is hope for like transformation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just because your brain has wired in a way you can, the studies show you can literally yeah. revert it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, retrain it. Mm-hmm. And th- this isn't permanent. Yeah. 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 Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. So with the whole porn conversation, um, still talking on the side of guys, kind of like how this affects them. A lot of things also, you know, when you start with porn, there's a physical act. Mm-hmm. And like, I think this is an interesting question because nowhere in the Bible does it talk about this specifically. Um, or at least to my, I'll say this, you guys have done the research more to my, um, my, my research. And it's something that like, I think boys grow up thinking about this. Um, is the act of masturbation okay? I, okay, so I'll, I'll start this one. Um, pa- Pastor Mark Driscoll, who used to uh, lead uh, Mars Hill up in Seattle, he, uh, he, had, he would do Sunday nights and allow people to like ask kind of crazy questions. And, and he did a, like a whole um, one about sex one night. And someone texted in this question, is mm. masturbation sinful? And he said, well, you're right. It's not in the Bible. There's nowhere where it says thou shalt not masturbate. Yeah. You know, um, there's none of that. He said, but he's like, um, Jesus talks a lot about lust Mm -hmm. and you see lust Mm -hmm. and sexual immorality and that kind of stuff in the Bible a lot. And he see, (laughs) so I love how he said, he said, so if you can masturbate without lusting, I think you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Based on what I said. But I I, I think that's the question, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's not about the act of masturbation. 
It's about what are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. Like Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, if you lust after someone in your mind, you've already committed adultery. Mm -hmm. Like the, the spirit of God is that we do not think about each other like that. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a, there's just a, a bad component of looking at someone and thinking about them as a sexual object Mm -hmm. and gratifying yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether it's just in your mind, it's mental masturbation or Mm -hmm. it's the physical act, like both are bad, Mm -hmm. you know? I think that the, the actual response to physical touch, the arousal is actually rooted in something really beautiful that that's how God created us, right? To physically Mm -hmm. respond to touch. Mm -hmm. But, I can't envision, I mean, uh, yeah, it's how do you separate it? Mm -hmm. How do you pull Mm -hmm. the motivation factors out or the mental piece out of it? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's hard for me to understand. I'm going to say something a little controversial. So I'm welcoming some arguing here, I think. (laughs) Um, As I mentioned, I've counseled um, a lot of guys with um, pornography addictions. Um, And it can be really, really hard for them to just stop Um, once it's become a habit, your brain has, um, literally built these neural pathways into this. Um, it's really, really hard to, to break those things. Mm -hmm. Um, a method I've used when counseling guys is I'll ask them how many times a week are you looking at pornography and masturbating? And they'll give me a number. Let's say the number is seven and I'll say, all right, um, I want you to give yourself three opportunities this week to only masturbate. You're not going to look at anything, but you're only going to you're only going to masturbate when that urge comes. If you feel like you you cannot resist the temptation to watch something, but you need the release, give yourself three chances, but only three chances. Um, hmm. and then we'll go on this method for a little while and then I'll slowly ask them to decrease the amount of times they're masturbating until eventually God willing, they stop completely. And then they're, then they're at a point, and I've had this happen with guys where they're no longer watching it. Now they'll have relapses down the road. Mm-hmm. They'll come to me and they'll say, I really messed up. I watched it and I masturbated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk them through it. I'll counsel them. Mm-hmm. But um, the goal is not to get them addicted to masturbating instead of watching pornography. Mm-hmm. But if it's a way that they can get the release without looking at something, um, then to me, it's a win. Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's okay. I totally agree that what happens in the mind, um, what you think about is really what makes it a sin. Um, I think the other side of it too, now to totally turn my argument the other direction, um, it's selfish, right? Mm -hmm. Um, especially for married couples. Um, it's selfish. You're robbing your spouse of, um, pleasuring you the way that they want to and the way that God designed them to. So I can't think of a context within marriage where I would say it's okay, even if you're not thinking about anything, even just the actual um, So this pleasure. is primarily to non-married people? Is that what you're saying? Well, what I'm saying right now is to married people specifically, you're robbing your spouse oh, okay. of giving you the pleasure that they want to give you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and really you're not intended to give yourself. So. Yeah. One question that I wrestled with, with that was a married couple that is forced to spend time apart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's a hard one. Um, you know, Paul talks a lot about, uh, I'm going to totally butcher it. Sorry. It's not right in front of me, but, um, you know, that which is permissible Mm -hmm. 
everything how do you say say it <laughs> everything is too. permissible but yeah. not everything is beneficial right, right. Mm-hmm. um that there's you know if you are going to be married yes awesome you don't have to be married in mm-hmm. fact i think he even kind of says don't be it's married but if you be need married. to yeah. be yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. then be married it's kind of the same way if you need to be apart that's not how it was designed when you're married you're to be together physically mm-hmm. consistently but if you need to be apart well then what happens and I think about, you know, military or people mm-hmm. that are spending lots of time apart. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know, honestly, that I came up with a great conclusion, except I think I think it all boils down to where is your mental state? Mm-hmm. I really I think it does, um, because I think, you know, physically, I don't know that I don't know that a man can go for, you know, six months or something without having some kind of experience. Um, And so if that is necessary, well, then what shape does that take? Mm -hmm. What form does that take? So that's my inconclusive (laughs) comment. (laughs) It's a hard one. It's really hard. The fun talk. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, I was thinking about not saying anything, but. I feel like, I don't know, that kind of opened a door for me. So mm-hmm. I feel like it It depends. <laughs> Let me finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is the definition of masturbation? Because when I looked it up, it is simply the, which is funny that I looked it up, but which is simply the stimulation of one's own genitals. And that in itself like it just depends on the context i feel because like if you i'm thinking if you're married if you are i don't know how to say this without it being weird but like if the physical act of doing that is with your spouse and that's something that the two of you enjoy together then I think it's okay Mm. because it's not that lust of I'm thinking about someone I don't know or I'm thinking about some woman, but if you're with your wife and that's something that the two of you like, I think it's okay because I don't want to say, like, that always is sinful, Um, but it it just really depends. Is your wife, is it a consensual act and is it something that makes – your spouse feel loved and desired Mm. and valued by you. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that would be super, super hard to feel loved and valued by, Mm -hmm. but maybe you do. And maybe that's something that you enjoy in marriage together. I think it's okay. Cause the, this is not this specifically, but there are things before I got married, I was told that in marriage sex can still be sinful. Mm. Like, and I was like really struggling with that. Mm. Like, why? Yeah. And I now I know like how that is true. But before I was like, so how do you have this freedom all of a sudden to have a sexual relationship with your husband, but there are still things that you shouldn't do? And how do you know where that line is mm. and that sort of thing? Mm. And I think consent is the biggest teller. Mm. And if this is something that you and your spouse do together in love and in desire of one another and you value one another and you've had a conversation about it. Um, I think this goes for all sexual Mm -hmm. 
relations with your spouse if it's consensual if it's making the other person feel loved and desired then it's not something you have to withhold in marriage as weird as that sounds but I, somebody can I don't argue think that's you weird want. at all yeah, yeah. Oh, really? yeah. articulate no yeah oh, very very well articulated <laughs> right. and i think I, <laughs> I, 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 I love that you went to the like here's the technical definition mm-hmm. and 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 i think I, I totally agree with you in, in the confines of marriage and, and what you and your spouse decide you want to do consensually. And like, yes, I think the, I, I guess the way I approached it was the, the question being about masturbation, like all by yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? And so like, that's where I, I totally. was approaching it, but yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, what, whether you want to call it, you know, mutual match of masturbation or mm. foreplay or whatever, like yeah. in the mm. confines of that, there's all kinds of things that are good and healthy. Mm-hmm. And that made me think too, like, I, I wish we'd have probably started with this, but like, uh, <laughs> sex is good. Yeah. yeah. God gave it to us. Yeah. Like, it's really like that. I, I talked to my kids, like, I, you know, I, I wanted to be careful of like, you know, not telling, like, it's like sex isn't like dirty and nasty and gross mm-hmm. and bad. Right. No, it's really good. And when yeah. it's done in, in the way that God intends for us to have sex, like it's a, it's an amazing gift and mm-hmm. thank you God for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are just some ways that we want to, and that's, you know, what I tell my kids, there's ways we want to approach it. We want to, mm-hmm. we want to, we want to give it to the right person and, and do it in a way that, that is honoring to God and is honoring to the other person and to yeah. yourself as well. So, um, I think that's important to, to say here yeah. as well, because I think in some Christ, uh, in some circles, and I think we're going to get there, but you're hitting all the transitions. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Segway for you. But you know, like, um, it, is that like, no, it's bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's not good. It's actually something that's dirty or it should mm-hmm. only be used for procreation. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. No right. enjoyment. Yeah. I don't see hitting that. all the transitions. So this is a lot and it's a lot of the first half and I kind of hacked the first half intentionally because it's really hard to talk about. It's kind of gross to talk about too. Like you feel that kind of mm-hmm. gross like mm-hmm. especially with the porn you're like my gosh yeah. and um and this is like i think this is a good split of like how men in culture culturally have the idea of it mm-hmm. and then there's women culturally who have the idea of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's this whole thing about we we value um a lot of church i mean most church men value um women in in a way of like protecting mm-hmm. i think it comes into good nature and especially their daughters mm-hmm. and they're men and they understand this side so then just kind of like what you're saying jeremy there's all these teachings and talking about and it ends up sounding like sex is bad Mm -hmm. and there's this there was this whole wave in the 90s and um it's called purity culture and it was this whole basically stance on we're all going to pledge to be pure and it's still having ramifications today because now those kids have grown up and now that's still instilled with them. Mm-hmm. So what has purity culture, what is purity culture and how has it affected people? I think it's toxic. It's created a lot of shame. Yeah. Um, I think there are, I think about girls that have been sexually either molested or touched inappropriately. And then they're told this, mm-hmm. this whole idea of purity. Well, then they wrestle with, well, my purity was stolen from me. I'm mm-hmm. not pure. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. what it can do is it can enforce then it's kind of like, well, I've already gone here. Let me just go all the way. Mm-hmm. I'm already yeah. not pure. So I might as well have sex now with, with whoever yeah. I want. Um, I actually don't, I don't like purity culture at all. I think it's, um, I think it can be really toxic. I think it can be really 
um, demeaning. I think Mm -hmm. it can be really, um, it's like you had one shot and you blew it or someone else stole Mm -hmm. it from you Mm -hmm. and it's gone. You were raped or whatever. And now you can never call yourself pure again. It's like a holier than thou. I'm better than you. I'm pure. You're not kind Mm -hmm. of a thing, which I know was not the intention when it was created. Nobody wanted it to be like that, Mm -hmm. but I think that's what it did for a lot of people. Yeah. So can we, does someone have like a succinct, succinct like definition of what we're talking about here? Like, like what purity culture is like, I, I think I get it from what you're talking about, how toxic it is, but uh, like, I was not in that world in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the opposite side. <laughs> purity. <laughs> so that's why th- this is all like new this and interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so I just like, I see a lot of that, but I was just kind of curious because it seems like a, a lot of the things that led to that culture or to that thing, like they were all well-intentioned. Yes. Like they're all things that yeah, like, agree. we're not necessarily disagreeing with. Correct. Like, totally. But so like, that's where I'm like, what's that definition that made it or like, what is it that made it toxic? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess maybe where did it shift or where did it change from being a good idea to a bad idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pick me, pick me. Yeah, go, yeah, go. (laughs) This was this was my my favorite part of the preparation for this. Mm -hmm. Not just because the other parts were really weird, but (laughs) um, (laughs) um, this was this is a topic. um, I am a child of purity culture for sure. Um, I think, if I can debate a tiny bit, that in and of itself, it's actually not a bad thing. I think when a when there is a um, focus on pureness, bigger than that, a focus on living righteously the way God has created us and intended us to live, mm-hmm. I think that's to be valued. Mm-hmm. I think where we've gotten wrong is that it's become, purity culture became so much about focus on the body, on sex. Mm-hmm and not enough about on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of lost track of the motivation uh, of what, of what, why we strive for purity. Yeah. Um, there's, I hundred percent agree, Pastor Nick, about the shame piece. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. the piece that I, I yelled the loudest that it was such a, it was such a um, hushed, it, we don't talk about this and naturally what is hidden, you know, is, is, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We're, we're called to bring it to light. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that this didn't do well. Yeah. Um, I had an awesome quote. It's kind of long, but I thought it was really what a great summary to, um, describe what was wrong with purity culture. Mm. Um, and kind of what, what it's from. Anyways, I'll just read it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, this came out of uh, Christianity today. It says, purity culture started with biblical concepts. Holiness is biblical, Mm -hmm. as are warnings against fornication. But I wonder, this is the author speaking, but I wonder how things would have been different for so many of us if instead of church youth group turning into yet another dating versus courtship debate, Mm. we had deep studied the attributes of God together. Mm. Or if instead of putting on a modesty fashion show, Mm. we had poured over the gospels and the life of Christ. Mm to isolate and overemphasize certain ideas from the Bible risks misinterpretation, Mm. but it also risks creating our own version of Christianity, righteousness, and even salvation. Mm. 
And I think that's why we look upon it negatively. I yeah. thought that was a great summary. That was good. Yeah. That was so good. I don't have any specific research on where it went wrong because I agree. I'm sure that the intention was never shame, yeah. but to protect something sacred. Yeah. Um, but I think where it went wrong, speaking from my experience um, and just what I've seen in purity culture is where it went wrong was its intention towards women specifically. I think if purity culture had equally saturated both young men and young women, it wouldn't have been as horrible as it is. Mm. I think that it still wouldn't have been amazing, but I think it would have turned out differently because the way, even with what Jay was saying, the first half was like the culture of men for sex is this lust, is this pornography. And the culture of women for sex is this purity culture. And I think that has been so damaging. And it was it's so hard because although it's such a biblical value, purity is so wonderful and amazing. And it's so, this purity culture is so deeply rooted in the patriarchy that it's so hard to have women feel loved and valued and feel like purity is a good thing when this is how it came across. Mm. Reba and I were talking about this in the kitchen yesterday morning. And this is something I had never heard of. I didn't know if you were going to speak about purity balls, purity balls? this yeah. time. But <laughs> we were talking about purity rings and mm. how young ladies get these at like 10 or 11 as a gift from their fathers, which I, I had one when I was younger. Um, I wasn't in the 90s, um, of course, but I was kind of the afterwave of purity culture. And I had one. My father did not give it to me, but I did have one. So, And I didn't know that purity rings were given by their fathers um, and that at purity balls specifically that churches put on where young women pledged their purity publicly and essentially to their fathers. Mm. Um at a dance, which is crazy. It's crazy <laughs> to say out loud yeah. that that is like something 10, the church right? did. Yes. Yeah. Like they're so young. And I think what's so crazy is that I've never heard of young men receiving purity rings. Right. Hmm. Ever. Actually, John had one. Did and, he really? You know, he was talking about how as a conversation starter, it was actually a really cool tool yeah. that a lot of people asked, what is that for? What does that mean? Yeah. So, that's so cool. That's, a That's green unique. Flag. I haven't heard yeah. that yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. so unheard of that mm -hmm. men are also receiving mm -hmm. them. Um, I think which is so important because when we do this to young women, we put the responsibility of sex on women. Mm -hmm. We say that it's yours to keep and protect. And yes, true. But when we put the responsibility on women, especially 11 year olds, we're also teaching them that if the responsibility is yours, so is the guilt mm -hmm. if you don't act right. Yeah. Especially what you were talking about earlier, Pastor Nick, that is if it's taken from them, which yeah. is such a story I hear all of the time. It's yeah. so often. Yeah. They carry that guilt forever. Mm. And it's so hard. So many sexual assault um, cases are not reported. And I wonder how much of that is because the victim feels like it's her fault. Every person that I've met that's experienced that says, well, I didn't say anything mm -hmm. because... I wasn't dressing right or I wasn't whatever. Mm. I looked at him. You know mm. what I mean? Because we mm. have put the responsibility of sex on young women through purity culture. Yeah. I mean, I think a great difference between what we're talking about 
at the ages of 10, women are getting, young ladies are getting purity rings and young men are watching porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Dang, you put it like that. Yeah. You know, the way it was taught, I'm also a child of purity culture. I grew up going to church and a little bit, you know, when I was younger and hearing about it and stuff. I remember it being taught like um, an analogy. They had a uh, a jar of water and they said, this is someone who's pure. And then they dumped a bunch of ink in the other one and said, this is the person who's not pure. And what I really now as an adult looking back on that, have a hard time with is we are essentially saying you, you are no longer pure. You can never be pure again. Mm-hmm. That ink can never be separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are always black. That, that mm-hmm. ink, that water that was pure, it's now just filled with black ink and there's nothing you can do about it mm-hmm. and what that teaches. And then I thought too about, um, people who didn't grow up in the church, they come to know Christ later on. They've had sex before they got married. They're mm-hmm. no longer pure. And here they're trying to turn their life around, come into this life of following Jesus. And they're told, mm-hmm. you're not pure. You're not, you can't be like one of us. And it's, mm-hmm. it's divisive and it's yeah. separating. And then as the church, we've just told people, well, you, you want to be like us, but you messed up. So you're just, yeah, Jesus can forgive you, but that purity is gone forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what's hard for me about purity culture, I think, yeah. is just mm-hmm. the message. I love the intention, as you guys have yeah. been saying. Mm-hmm. I know it was never intended to be like that. It was supposed to um, really decrease sexual activity in young people. Um, it, was, it was really supposed to build this idea, as you said, Reba, of holiness, mm-hmm. uh, which is a beautiful message, mm-hmm. beautiful message of holiness. Um, we just need to be careful not to incorporate a ton of shame and guilt that comes alongside that. I think guys, um, I know that men and women have it differently, but guys felt guilt and shame too. Mm-hmm. Um, guys get molested, guys get raped, yeah. guys get... Yeah. They have sex and then they, they feel guilt about it later on. I know mm-hmm. it's different for men and women, but this whole purity thing, it's, um, it can be difficult for, mm-hmm. for people. So, One of the um, aspects of it is kind of an if-then statement too. Um, it's actually like a, a truly by definition a part of this concept of purity culture. Um, if you remain pure, then you will have a good marriage. Then you'll have good sex in your marriage. Then you'll have healthy children, lots of children. Yeah. And I'm going to just super state it. That's a lie. Yeah. That is not true. Yeah. Um, because, because it's not just a matter of ink forever. Mm-hmm. It is separatable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks to Jesus. Amen. Um, I also wanted to, um, I, I keep, as we're describing it, I keep thinking of purity you can almost like interchange the word with the word perfect, like this mm. like perfect culture. Yeah. Um, and when you come, specifically speaking about the union of marriage, when you come into marriage, it is not about two, pe- two perfect people coming together to be, to remain perfect together. Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. That's not yeah. how it works. It will never yeah. be that way. It is, I think it's so critical that we are very aware of how we are broken, mm-hmm. um, be it in this way or in other ways, uh, you know, regarding sex or, or other topics, um, we're broken. And when we come together in marriage, it's not a matter of, well, my pureness is gone. My perfection mm-hmm. is gone. It is just gone for everybody. When you come together, you are two broken people mm-hmm. who are 
spurring each other onward toward relationship with the Lord. That's Mm. really good. Mm. Yeah. I think it's so interesting too this, this concept of purity culture and the way that it affects our marriages. Cause when I got married and I lost my virginity, I was like, wow, I lost that and I'll never get it back. And I didn't think I was going to have a crisis about it, but I kind of did because you grow up thinking like, okay, like, especially for me, I, like I said, at a very young age was like, I'm going to wait until I get married. And so it was, I'm not going to say it was my personality for a long time, but it was kind of like a big part of my identity. Mm -hmm. And so when I got married, I lost my name and my virginity Mm -hmm. and I kind of had a crisis about it because I was like, I'm no longer a virgin. I'm no longer this pure thing. And I did it right. I did the right thing by waiting, but it, I was still sad almost when I lost it because this idea of purity culture teaches you that your purity is something like it is Mm. something in you. It is a part of you and you can lose it. And it's so interesting to me because virginity itself is not a physical thing. Like virginity is a social construct, which is crazy. Like doctors will say there is no physical way to tell if somebody is a virgin or not. I mean, they say the hymen, but that gets broken doing anything else ever. Mm -hmm. And so it's so interesting because this idea of purity culture teaches us that your virginity is so like real and physical Mm -hmm. and valuable that when you lose it, it changes you. But when they did that, although that was great to tell people just don't have sex, you teenagers, whatever, (laughs) they didn't think about the ramifications of when you get married and you're taught that this virginity is so special and Mm -hmm. then you lose it and you'll never have it again. Mm -hmm. What is that going to do to the way that you see yourself, your identity, if you're so wrapped up in my value Mm -hmm. is in my pureness and how Mm -hmm. godly I have been by saving this? It can be so destructive once you lose it especially if you don't lose it in marriage or it's taken from you yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. wow which is crazy because when we're married it's not about losing it's what we gain right right? all of a sudden i have this beautiful relationship where one flesh as scripture says Mm -hmm. and the emphasis should really be more on that of what not what i've lost but what i've gained in this Mm -hmm. in this person that i love so much and we are now one Mm -hmm. yeah it's crazy i've talked to you know a few of my married friends and just thought about this and and it's so weird to think and I I experienced this you know you save yourself and you do it right just like you do it and then all of a sudden it's weird you know um for me I was what, what were we I was 21 when I got married 22 Mm, 21 21 yeah. I don't know thank you Pastor Nick I was young yeah. when they got married <laughs> 21 yeah, I don't know gosh and I was I'm, I'm really young for mm-hmm. getting married anyways yeah. but for 21 years I had not had sex I had saved myself mm-hmm. uh, made that decision and then one night it was like go off it's yeah. all done mm-hmm. like Everything hold hold allowed. hold yeah. and you train yourself you're like mm-hmm. no you yeah. don't don't you do mm-hmm. that and then it's all of a sudden just one night and it feels like, I mean, it's a normal night as far as like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a night. Not yeah. only is it allowed, it's celebrated. Yeah. 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 You're like, go oh, do it. You actually have to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, there's exactly. expectation yeah. and, oh, I know me and I have talked about this before, but then there's these expectations yeah. that come, you bring to the bedroom that first night. Yeah. There's these 
I mean, it's the, one of the only nights that, I mean, it can happen later in marriage, obviously, but like there's this expectation of sex, yeah. which can also be really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's expectation of performance, the pressure. Mm-hmm. The yeah. pressure. Yeah. And I mean, if we've all had sex, pressure and sex is honestly like one of the most <laughs> negative things when yeah. you feel pressured. Yeah, like it's absolutely. like such a, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it all right, game on, yeah. uh, you're, we're, we, you know, and especially the women feel like I need to give this to my man. Like this is, he's, especially in Christian context, they're like, he's been waiting his whole life for this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, like, this is my job. And there's, it's just, it ends up being this real mess that doesn't yeah. get talked about. Wow. It gets talked about all in the front end. Mm-hmm. Stay pure, be pure. It's good to be pure. Mm-hmm. And then that one night happens and yeah. they'll be like, yeah. Do you know it you know it all now and no one talks yeah. about yeah. after the that wedding night and beyond of like yeah. figured out how yeah. to make that yeah. shift yeah, yeah. it's yeah. such a that's really an interesting, interesting but yeah I, I i did not experience that in my life <laughs> <laughs> i did not wait uh and and but there the other side of that like i mean i've never heard that aspect of it of mm. like what that what that ends up being like and and the things that you guys have to work through after the fact mm-hmm. um but I'll tell you, I still wish I would have waited. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, like even that, and, and, and I think we can change that as we grow and we learn how to Absolutely. counsel people through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean like, oh, this is better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's, um, I, I don't know if this is relatable to where we're at right now, but like, it reminds me of a. Pastor Mike Todd from Transformation Church, mm-hmm. he he did this one really cool message and I saw, and he used this illustration. He had almost like this kind of, it's not a straight jacket, but it was this jacket and it had all these little like rings on it. And he had all these people around the stage and he talked about what it's like when we have sex, when we, when we give ourselves to other people and he would go to someone and he's kind of telling this story, this, this, the story of like, Oh yeah, I did this when I was in high school. And that person would like clip on a rope into mm. one of the rings. Mm. And eventually he ends up going to everybody in different orders around that circle. And now he's just tied up mm. and everybody's pulling and And there's this reality of what that does to you. Mm. Like, mm as much as men want to think sex is a physical thing only, it's not. (laughs) It's an emotional thing. It's a physical thing and it's a spiritual thing. And with every person that you do that with, you're, you are becoming one flesh. Like, Mm -hmm. like, it's not like a choice. Like, Oh, I'm not really doing that with you. Like, no, it happens. Mm -hmm. And, and, and how that, and he just did a great job. So if you get a chance, look that up. I don't even know the name of the message, but it's part of his, I think his relationship goals Mm -hmm. series. Um, but it just, it really, so like, that's, I I think why my question was like, when I look at purity culture from the outside, not experiencing it, I was like, man, it seems so great. Yeah. (laughs) Cause, cause I know what that feels like Mm -hmm. and, and absolutely save yourself. But, um, I think this helps me understand some of the quotes I found. I, I read this article and you guys tell me what you think because you, you've, you've lived this more, but it says many were hurt by this movement. Um, it was rooted in good intentions, but it seems to have pushed too far, only focusing on sex rather than on a desire for chastity. That was what I took from this article. And here's the specific quote from Lauren Winner uh, in her book, Real Sex. She says, chastity is not the mere absence of sex, but an active conforming of one's body to the arc of the gospel. Mm. Mm. 
saw that quote too. Isn't that powerful? <laughs> That's yeah. powerful. Like, like that makes sense to me. Yes. Like, like, and so like as I was as hearing you guys, I'm like, okay, I see the difference now. Yeah. Like this desire to honor God with our sex and our our relationships. Yeah. As opposed to just focusing purely on like no sex. Yeah. And it's dirty and it's bad and don't do this and don't do that. But like that I wanna it's it's a way for me to grow closer to Christ, actually. Exactly. Right. And and that was I think when we talk about the shift, I don't know the specific shift, but that was the shift. The shift became from this is a good because I agree, purity and we're we're about to talk about this, but purity, staying pure is really good and it's good mm-hmm. for more reasons than the church says so mm-hmm. it's good because it's good spiritually and we god designed us to do it but when it, it becomes a switch okay got into this where it just ended up being all about the act mm-hmm. and it was all about protecting and then it mm-hmm. fell to the women and women had to protect this mm-hmm. they had the purity rings and they were you know it and it shifted that shift became and no longer was it even talking about sex as a God made thing. It was just sex as a dirty thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, with that transition, <laughs> Jeremy's hit on all of them. <laughs> what is the, why should we wait? What is the reason we wait? I think it's out of um, love for the spouse. I think, well, I mean, first off, um, the Lord, um, let me back this up a second. I jumped in before Lord. I finished my thought. I was really excited about this question. <laughs> me too. Um, we wait honestly out of love and respect for our spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's something that God designed to be within the com, confine, confines, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. confines of marriage. Um, and it's something we were intended to share with our spouse. We're intended to become one. Um, the intention is with one person. Um, in a perfect world, now there are instances where your spouse passes away and get remarried and all that thing. But um, it, it's, it's intended to be um, a gift for a husband and wife, um, starting family, you know, procreation, um, creating children, and also just to, um, it can be an act of service to your spouse, an act mm. of loving them. Um, you want to make them feel good. You want them to enjoy it. It's it's um, something that really is designed to be for for husband and wife. I liked this question a lot. Sorry, go for it. No, you go for <laughs> it. Go, Reba, go. Um, I think, in my, I believe marriage is the best example we get to understand um, the relationship that Christ has with his bride, mm-hmm. with the church. Mm-hmm. It's such a symbolic, there's so much about it that follows in those same uh, footsteps. Yeah. And I think that the covenant of marriage requires a level of authority Mm. um, that, and maybe even more than that, the creator of, you know, that bond, God, there's a reverence for what he's done there. And so I think of it as the waiting is, is a, not like a always fluffy kind of feeling, but like a act of worship Mm -hmm. to say, God, you've created something so good, so unique. And someday, you know, speaking from the perspective of somebody who's not yet married, someday I get to be married. I will get to um, experience that Mm -hmm. amazing creation that you've, that you've relationship that you've created. Um, And so I think, I think it's, 
yes, it's a gift. I agree. It's a gift to your spouse for sure. I think it's also an act of reverence to say, God, you've set this apart. Um, and it's a protected place where sex, you know, is a celebration of that. Mm-hmm. Also, I think, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I think there are obviously consequences too mm-hmm. with not waiting, mm-hmm. um, physical consequences. You know, I think, um, this doesn't have to do with sex, but there's, there's a time I'm going to totally butcher all the, the facts of it, but just look it up later. <laughs> there was a time um, back, so the plague, you know, we always hear about the big plague, which was I think in like the 14, 1300s. Mm. There was actually an appearance of the plague 600 years before that or something like that. Um, I think it actually had appeared several times. Anyways, <laughs> one of the times um, there was, there's actually documented history of, you know, Jewish people washed their hands before eating because it was given in the law to do that. And there was actually documented proof. It's a, in a town in Germany is where I learned about it, but where um, the, the entire town died except for the Jewish people. Mm. And I think it was an um, interesting example of how when God ordains something, it's ultimately for our physical benefit. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, in that case, it was a, a written law, you know, that, but in this case, I think he, there are physical consequences that come with, um, you know, lots of sex or, you know, sex outside of the relationship of marriage. So. That was a really beautiful way to say STDs. STDs. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. STDs is a big yeah. motivator. Yeah, did you guys, for sure. did you see that in the, it was in the 90s, eights was the number one cause of death in males between the age 25 and wow. 44. I did not. Wow. The CDs? Blew my mind. AIDS. Specifically. Oh, AIDS. Yeah. Specifically. Blew my mind. That's but interesting. Yeah, STDs. Yeah, huge. STDs or, or even, um, you know, I think every life is a gift, but, you know, sometimes it's hard to have a child in a certain season of life. And mm. Yeah. And like, yeah. And then you get in the context of even um, those who aren't ready and they go through abortions, um, yeah. which we will have that talk later on in one of the episodes. <laughs> so, um, but I think all of us around the table agree that it, in God's context, abortion's not what he sees. Mm-hmm. And there's these, um, I'd love to have a deeper discussion about that. Cause I think there's some legal ramifications and stuff like that, but, um, the loss of a child is never good. And there, but mm-hmm. it can be an act. It can be a result of an act from yeah. sex before marriage. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone else have anything about, I will just say, I, I wrote down here, you know, I'd already said it. I wish I had waited. I wish I had the respect mm. for sex and and what that does in a relationship. I wish I knew that mm. before because I just saw it as like, hey, I've watched all this porn. I have all these hormones. I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like fun. You know, I want to go on the roller coaster. Um and so, and, and then there's all these societal pressures. There's this, mm-hmm. our culture that's secular oh, yeah. and it says, well, you need to learn, yeah. you'll make yourself better for, mm. you know, who you end up with. It's really not a big deal. Yeah. Like all those things are lies. All those things in my experience, those are false. Those are not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, 
my answer to the question is that we honor God and we honor the person. It's yeah. that I saved this for you. And I know that's like part yeah. of that purity culture was just a little like, <laughs> yeah. but like it really is like, I wish I could say that to my wife mm. and say like, I did, I saved this for you mm. and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And you're the only one who gets to experience it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to, to have that in a reciprocating relationship, like I recognize how beautiful that really is. Mm-hmm. And I know there's grace and I, I don't feel like massive shame for it, but I just, there's, just, there's regret, right? Yeah. There's like, man, I wish, you know? Um, but that doesn't mean like in the course of, of my relationship with Patty, like, you know, there was still, um, you know, when we came together, and said, yeah, we're, we're together. We're, we're exclusive. You know, there, there's still a little bit of that that I experienced and that like, yeah, this is only for you. I was mm-hmm. monogamous and then we stayed and then we got married. And so like, there's still part of that that I experienced. I just didn't experience it to the, to the fullest. Yeah. Yeah. Well then let's, let's talk about this. We've kind of, um, how do we teach it in a way that's not hurtful? This whole purity culture, how do we, we're, we're talking about, I fully agree. I think the idea of purity culture was good good intentions, great intentions. And, you know, even Pastor Jeremy, you said it, you wish. Um, and the understanding purity culture is something that like, you're like, that kind of sounds like a good thing. Um, but we've also talked about that it can go real far on one side and be incredibly damaging and not even, it just becomes an obstacle, really. Um, a hard obstacle sometimes that is unexpected. Mm-hmm. So how do we, mm-hmm. how do we teach this? Hmm. One of the big arguments I found against it was the, the, um, actually the idea that every time, I think the quote was every time you have sex, you give a piece of your soul away Mm. or something. And it was like, how, you know, that's not true. That's not your soul's whole. This is, but, but, (laughs) and I love that visual that you were talking about with Mm -hmm. the jacket. I, you know, I think there is as I anticipate this conversation being a very active part of my dinner table at home (laughs) in the coming years, um, already has started that way. Um, one of the things that I do think about is there is a piece, there is truth to that. There is a part of your, you know, I have heard it said your heart, Mm -hmm. this article dogged on your soul, but (laughs) there's a piece of sacrifice that, um, is, given each time. And so I think, you know, when I think about explaining it to my kids, that's a easy to grasp concept, I think. Mm. Um, in some ways, you know, kind of this idea of, oh, it's, it's a whole thing to be kept whole, (laughs) not distributed. parents you know? <laughs> I think I think focusing on the relationship right not just the sexual yeah. act I think we have to be open and honest with our kids um, like I was saying I've, I've told my kids like look forward to sex it's great yeah. you're gonna love it you know this is awesome <laughs> but there's some con- confines that we should you know there's some guardrails we should have with this yeah. and and helping them understand that it's it's not I think that's where the purity culture sounds like where the purity culture failed is it's not just about the sexual act. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, just that, I I love how you said that Kaylee, you were talking about like, well, what is a virgin, Mm -hmm. right? Like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, like, is it, is it penetration intercourse? Is it like, Mm -hmm. like sex starts at, I mean, 
you know, I guess you could go really extreme and say sex starts at handholding, right? So no mm. premarital handholding, right? <laughs> you know, because it's arousing you, yeah. right? Like there is, a, there's an excitement there. Yeah. That first mm. pinky touch that you have, you know, when you're it's electric. To, oh man, like let's <laughs> do that again, you know? Got my whole hand. <laughs> you know, um, but like, so if we focus only on that, mm. then, yeah. then we're missing the boat. Like you don't understand the love of honoring God mm. and honoring your, your to be spouse mm. in, in what, how you've lived your life. Like you don't want to, I mean, I, I guess it kind of just goes in, in a holistic approach, right? Like you take care of yourself and your body, mm. yeah. you make sure that you're healthy. You go to the doctor, you brush your teeth, you mm. do these things. Cause you don't want to have a spouse and like smile at them and there's no teeth, <laughs> right? Or you look really gross because like, like I honored, myself to, to honor you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think sex goes in that same thing, but it's, it's really about the relationship that you're going to have with that person. It's not just the physical act. Mm-hmm. I think to continue on right. the, the general, general consensus here, society teaches us that sex is an activity like a workout, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's just something we just do with another person. It can be really casual. Um, we can get on Tinder, you know, we both know what the expectation is and we're going to do this and we're probably never going to talk again. And, um, that can be the culture that's taught, but the reality is, um, just to continue this point further that we've already been talking about is it's not just a physical act. It's not like doing a workout. It's not like just hanging out with somebody and and doing something that you both enjoy. And then that's it. It's not casual. Um, it's not, you can pretend it's casual, but there are, there are long-term ramifications that come from this. So the way we look at this um, in the way that honors God is we do it within the way, the con, the confines of marriage. We do it within the way God intended it to be because like it or not, sex is so much more mental than it is physical. It's so much more emotional than it is physical. Mm-hmm. If you're not there mentally and emotionally as a guy, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to happen. And the same thing for women. Um, we have to be in the right headspace. We got to be right mentally. We got to be focused and our hearts have to be right. I mean, it's so relational. It's so mental. And mm-hmm. It's not just a physical activity. So we, sh- we should stop talking about it and treating it as if it is. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we can do better as the church and as Christians is when we talk about it, first of all, we need to talk about it more often. Yeah. It should not be taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that we're talking about it in this podcast. I hope this podcast blows up. Yeah. <laughs> I hope a lot of people in Jesus' it. name. Uh, yeah, in Jesus' name, because we need to be talking about this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. we need to not make it taboo. And we need to talk about the emotional side of sex, the, the mental side of sex and how so much of that, um, is, is playing a huge role into this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, within marriage, you know, there's, I think of it like pillars and intimacy is one of the many pillars in marriage, trust, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your, perspective and anyways intimacy being one of them i don't think sex and intimacy are necessarily synonymous i think mm-hmm. you can have intimacy yeah outside of sex totally and, absolutely absolutely that's know, a great point if we if we focus so much on this one it does it's kind of that overemphasized detractor yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but it is a part of a bigger piece um mm-hmm. that god created yeah yeah i think it's so important to then this is a hill that I will always die on that words are so important. And so the, the specific words we use when we talk about it 
is so important because the way that purity culture will say it in a positive way, like I was told, like, wait, because you're worth the wait. And like, yeah, when you say it, it's like a cute little saying and it's great. But in that sentence, grammatically and literally, you are putting your worth and you're not having had sex in the same mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And so you're automatically intertwining your worth with your experience of not having sex. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, just that one little sentence is so damaging. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to talk about sex not like a physical thing. We have to not yeah. talk about our purity like a physical thing. But like Pastor Jeremy said, it's a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And in that shared experience, there's intimacy. And that's why we wait. We don't yeah. wait because it's a physical thing that we have to give to our husband. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't yeah. wait for any other reason other than it's this beautiful shared experience. Made by God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. In, in our family, there's an intimacy in watching a movie together for the first time. And it's like, to me, I think about it like that. Like if we watch an important movie to the other person without them, mm. it's like, how could you do that without me? <laughs> and it's that's very like true. Break of trust. Yes. <laughs> and like, that's how sex is. It's this mm. shared experience that brings you so close. That's so beautiful mm-hmm. to protect. And um, I think there's so many layers of that, especially um, for me as a woman, there were so many layers that I had to work mm. through in our marriage. Um, and I think one, there are many very important implications that we should be talking about with sex all the time. And I think the first one is that sex is a shared equal experience because there is this feeling, this culture, um, of the difference between the way men and women view sex because sex is so easy for men, easy, um, that it, feels like sex is for men and Mm -hmm. I received lots of books before Jay and I got married about sex because everybody knew that I was nervous (laughs) and I talked about it all the time and one of the books was super super destructive to me so Mm -hmm. destructive and it had basically said like your husband has needs and as his wife it's your role and duty to fulfill them and so the first like three months of our marriage like if Jay was in the mood I was like all right like we have sex no matter how I feel Mm -hmm. which is like psychotic to say out loud right like that's like the worst thing you could bring to marriage but I had this expectation I had also received lots of um loving well-intentioned advice from lots of women quite a few in the church that told me um fake it till you make it And like, Mm. if your husband's in the mood, if you fake being in the mood long enough, you will get yourself there and then you can have sex. Mm. And it was like, and I was like, okay, like I can do that. And that's what I came into marriage with. That was terrible. Yeah. Was that book written by a man? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. It was was crazy. And so not only was I dealing with the layers of purity culture and the layers Mm. of being told that sex was for men and then having the actual physical experience. Jay and I talked about it a little bit earlier, but sex for women was so much harder. And I struggled with God. I was like, Mm -hmm. why God Mm -hmm. did you design sex in a way that it's so invasive to Mm -hmm. women? And so I had all of these things going into marriage that were Mm -hmm. so, so hard that really complicated sex. And so something that we need to talk about with sex is that it's a shared 
equal experience and women need mm. to be able to talk about sex yeah. so that we don't go into marriage thinking we have to fake it till we make it yeah. um and i think we also need to know that sex is a loving action i think that's something we all agree on and yeah. that's something yeah. people yeah. know but um it is about love and so when I was coming into it with like, oh, this is an act, this is my duty as a wife, mm-hmm. um, I was already off on the wrong, Did, are you laughing because I said duty? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, you guys are grinning behind your microphone. <laughs> duty, I'm 12. Yes. <laughs> and it is emotional and that marriage seminar is super helpful because for women it is super emotional and it is for men too. There is yeah. this misconception that it's just yeah. super physical and I also had that perception when I got married that for men it was physical Mm -hmm. so like if Jay was like he had a bad day I was like sex will make him feel better and he was like no (laughs) I'm sad and I was like but you're a man shouldn't sex fix this and he was like what I'm a human being I'm sorry okay (laughs) like we have to know that it's it's emotional both ways yes Um, yeah physical both ways as well yes Yes. definitely Mm -hmm. yeah And I think most importantly, what I wish somebody would have told me um, is that sex is not the end all be all of your marriage. Yes. Because that is such, especially like worldly view, like people will say, oh, sex is ruined by marriage. And they'll be like, how good Mm -hmm. is your marriage? Well, how often do you have sex? Mm -hmm. And it's like the standard against which marriage is measured, which is horrible because that's something that I struggled with too. When Jay and I got married was like, we're, we're a newlywed couple. Like, why aren't we having sex every single day? And Jay was like, calm down. Like we don't have to. And I was like, but this is what we do. This is what married people do. It was a lot. lot. First three months was a lot. Because like when you're a Christian, marriage is like, that's when you get to have sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing, yeah. but like that's, it was like all consuming was like, we have to have sex all the time because we're a newlywed couple. We have energy. Make whatever. up for lost yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Literally yeah. there's like this feeling. Got 21 years to make up. For yeah. <laughs> Come on. And so it's crazy. That's not the end all be all of your marriage. It is a part of intimacy, which is a pillar, but the end all be all of your marriage is how well your marriage reflects Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing because sex is so taboo for Christians. We all keep it inside. Then when we get to marriage, we're like, all right, sex is everything. Mm. And we miss that the point of marriage was never for sex specifically. Like that's not why God made marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was to teach us the inner workings of God and how he moves in the world, like Mm -hmm. his relationship with the church. And that is the point of marriage. Mm -hmm. So we can't be so caught up in sex and what that looks like. And in order to do that, we have to be able to talk about it with each other. Yeah. I love everything you just said. That was very, very, very well said. Yeah. Also, yes. I just want to t- say a moment. How cool to have both of you guys on this yes. podcast. Yes. <laughs> because you can speak yeah. so openly. Yeah. You know, there's, awesome. there's, um, yeah, that's what a cool perspective you guys have. And thanks for being so vulnerable about it. That's all. I didn't actually have a plate. Just like, good job. <laughs> yeah, we hit, we hit the right. Yeah, okay. Got her. <laughs> got excited about that talk. Yeah. She's very passionate about that, and I am too. We, um, Yeah, we just, you guys started it now. It's on the table. We just had a lot of, that was kind of the thing to work with, and I hated yeah. it because I was like, whenever mm-hmm. there was this moment where she was like, 
you know, like there was this moment we um, to get real intimate. Yeah, I guess <laughs> we never um, like I, it would get to a moment where I thought she was like wanting it, and then I'd realize right before it happened she didn't want it, and that was really hard for me because mm-hmm. then I all of a sudden felt so dirty and right. I was like mm-hmm. what am I doing here yeah. mm-hmm. and it I was like then it was angry and I was yeah. like how yeah. could you do this to me and like what are you like just don't tell me you don't want it it's fine yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go through this and so there's just mm-hmm. these ups and downs that um, a lot of it did come from purity culture so we are passionate about talking against it mm-hmm. um, but we are also passionate and to this point I will say I am I don't regret at all waiting at all yeah and I I even all those hardships, I'm I'm now going to be a big advocate to fight the bad things of purity culture. Right, yeah. Mm, yeah. But the heart of purity culture, I agree on. And I think yeah. we all land on it falls on Jesus Christ and your relationship. And it's an act yeah. of worship. It's an act to your future spouse. All those things are true. And I think that's what we need to like hammer on. And I think we need to talk also about the transition <laughs> from purity culture to non-purity yeah, culture. Yeah. I think that's yeah. A, yeah. It's a conversation that just no one talks about a lot. Mm. Well, guys, um, thank you guys all for your extreme vulnerability and um, this discussion. I was super excited about it. Um, I want to close this out. So thank you guys for all listening. If you have your own topics you want to discuss, email us at beforebabel at thorncreek.church. Uh, please rate us five stars and please share. This is um, We really want people to be able to listen to this. We hope that it reaches people that need to hear this, that are that can heal them. Um, we pray that it reaches the unchurched and you rating it five stars and sharing is just a simple way to do that. Join us in person at Thorn Creek church um, or online. Our in-person services are Saturday at 6 PM, Sunday at nine and 11 AM and online. It's at Sunday as well as the nine and 11 and at 7 PM, 10 AM on Tuesday and 8 PM on Thursday, all Mountain standard time. Uh, follow us on all social media at Thorn Creek church. And if you're interested in doing a deeper dive in today's topics, I'll post the guests uh, and the host's research notes um, in the show notes. And um, I also want to link uh, the fight the, what is it? Fight the, fight the, the new, new drug. drug. Fight org. the new drug.org. Mm-hmm. I want to link that. That's a great resource. Great mm-hmm. resource talking about it. All right. Next episode, we are going to ask, what does heaven look like? Ooh. <laughs> This one I really want to talk about. Um, I want to hit things about. Um, it's it's going to be a little bit of a a mixed bowl. I want to talk about is marriage in heaven? Mm. Do dogs go to heaven? Good Do cats question. go to heaven? Cats don't go to heaven. No, no, not cats. <laughs> it's like sheep and goats. Do we have a mansion? <laughs> Do we have a mansion and all that stuff? That'd be fun. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks.